another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart. Now go, you heroes of Thra. Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone. This is your vital essence for the Dark Crystal. I'm your host, Philip. I'm Jamie. And I'm Ethan. And as always, we're talking Dark Crystal. And I mean, we've got a lot to talk about on this episode of Trial by Stone. I mean, we're talking, we're going to be talking about um, episode five of Age Resistance. Um, The episode is called She Knows All the Secrets. And so we'll definitely be uh, diving into that show very shortly. And just, you know, as well for just listeners, just to let you all know that, you know, with these after shows that we do, we go through, you know, we'll go through each episode um, of the Dark Crystal Age Resistance, but we definitely go through spoilers through the entire show. So just wanted to let you all know about that um, before we actually dive deep into episode five. But I mean, first of all, I think it's been a pretty interesting time um, at the moment. I know a lot of us are, you know, it's been a good month and a bit, probably a couple of months now, really, since um, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance has been out um, since the 30th of August. And I guess, you know, we're all just wondering, you know, when are we going to get that season two announcement? Is it going to happen? Is it not? So, I mean, that's sort of been pretty interesting times at the moment. And I think... I think this was something that happened uh, very recently, actually, was every quarter uh, Netflix, they reveal sort of their statistics or, you know, their revenues and, you know, all all the information about how their business has been going. Because I know that this is something that, because this was something that I think a lot of people were really looking, you know, into how Netflix is doing, because this is sort of like their last sort of quarterly reports since, well, before, you know, some of the the big players from the other streaming services are going to, you know, come into place, you know, with Apple TV and, and Disney plus in November. So it's going to be a pretty interesting time, like from November onwards with all these new, you know, services that are coming out. But I think probably the most interesting thing, like from these quarterly reports that they mentioned, you know, about quite a few shows, you know, with all this, you know, how many people watching the shows and all that kind of stuff. I mean, for example, I know they talked about uh, Stranger Things season th- three being the most watched television se- season to date with with 64 million member households in the first four weeks. And, you know, they, they talked about some other shows and stuff and how well they're, they've been going. But what was probably the most interesting that was missing was in there was no mention at all for the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance and with that show, you know, also being released in that quarter, I think um, I think that definitely started to raise a bit of concerns, I guess, for a lot of us fans, um, didn't it, Jamie? 
Yes, I would agree. You know, I was reading, reading, I read all through that earnings report right when it came out, thanks to you, Philip. And of course, I had known that it was on its way. And then I watched the video. And of course, what are we all doing? We're finding out how Age of Resistance is doing. What's going on? Is it a successful show? It didn't, we don't really, at this point, we didn't know. We hoped it was. We saw it trending a little bit on Facebook here in the U.S. We heard reports that it was trending in the UK as well, everyone's very excited. Again, some of the KPIs, which would be key. Oh my God, key performance indicators. <laughs> so some of the KPIs for me were how big Crystal Shard was growing. We grew to over twelve thousand members in about ten months. Ten, yeah, about ten months. And so, in my opinion, I was thinking, okay, this show is probably doing well. And, uh, uh, yeah, there was no mention on the earnings report or on the earnings call, which was really disheartening. Um, and again, some of those KPIs, uh, I, I've been, I've always watched how many people like the official dark crystal page, which is of course run by the Jim Henson company. And it's always been at around 400 and something thousand. And to date, since the release of the show, it's only at about 500 and something thousand, not a lot of people. So you don't, it doesn't even have a million people that like the page and follow it. So that's again, a very interesting and telling KPI key performance indicator. So I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked. I'm disappointed, but I'm not shocked. I wish I could say something about, you know, KPIs and RPGs and all that, but I, I just, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know all that stuff. I just, I just, I'm I'm nervous. Like, you know, for some reason, Dark Crystal has this history of uh, just being a, a cult classic. It's not really mainstream, and I, I I mean, I'm like, Age of Resistance was supposed to be the one that you know breaks through, and I'm I'm like, come on, baby, you can do it. And uh, I'm I I'm 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 optimistic. But, uh, I mean, if it doesn't get renewed, I, I wouldn't be very surprised. It's an expensive show compared to other shows. It's a puppet show. And, um, and if the viewership is not there, then I, I don't think they could justify renewing it. And that would break a lot of people's hearts. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's unfortunately about money. And... You know, I guess if it doesn't get renewed, where do we go from there is the question, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just sort of been yeah, very like interesting times um, at the moment. And yeah, I mean, it, 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 I guess, you know, just not knowing like how well the show is going is sort of, um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it is a bit of a bummer. And I think even like the next um, day or two that Netflix actually released sort of, you know, the top 10 tv shows and the top 10 movies that took place between a period from i think from october uh, 2018 to to september 2019 and you know with tv shows that ranges of course from stranger things number one at 64 million to elite getting 20 million and so that's the thing it's like does that indicate that I mean, that, I mean that that's the thing, like those statistics sort of thinking about that, that that takes place over the course of the year, but it'd be interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. Where, where age resistance is at. 
yeah, you know, at, at the moment, it's just like we just sort of don't know, like, what's happening with, you know, if season two is going to happen. I mean, I know. Is it, is it a shoo-in? Is it a shoo-in for season two? Or are we scared? And there's no way. I mean, you know, like Jamie said, there's a few indicators that we can see that might spell out uh, Age of Resistance's future. Um, I mean, for me, uh, I'm a little nervous because I've learned that, you know, a couple friends and family members that were supposed to watch Age of Resistance told me that they either didn't watch it or they watched a few episodes and they didn't get back to it. I'm like, you had one job. Unfriend me. Um, and that, that makes me nervous. I'm like, oh, crap. Um, so I, I, I mean, I can't wait to to get, you know, some news because, I mean, we we really can't tell right now where it is like uh, are are we optimistic right now i mean you know it's not on that that list like uh you guys said so it's like crap what does that mean <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i know yeah yeah well yeah whether like it's is enough numbers you know for yeah yeah exactly and and i guess i mean that's a thing like i mean even for the show in the first place was a huge risk for netflix because you know this is a show that's unlike anything so i don't know whether they're going to be looking at numbers you know really carefully within the first month or maybe they're going to look at the show very differently and see how it um, goes like over the course of two months or three months whether they're going to look the numbers you know from a longer period or whether you know more people are watching the show sort of on a weekly basis or on a daily basis or you know sort of not binge watching the, the like this show compared to the other shows, you know, like Stranger Things or Umbrella Academy that, um, you know, I get, you know, they are big properties and I mean, they've been around for a couple of years. I mean, Umbrella Academy's in its first year, but um, it's definitely had the comic book um, that sort of helped really got the show going as well. So yeah, there's just a lot of um, different factors I think that can come into place. And I think what's important to remember there were a lot of shows on that earnings report that have been renewed for two and three seasons that weren't, you know, again, that weren't on the earnings report. So that's some hope for us. But like you said, Ethan, Age of Resistance is really, really expensive. But again, another sign possibly of hope is that all of those sets are in storage and they haven't made an announcement yet. So those are some good things that are going for it. And number two, I've never seen a show that glowingly praised by critics and fans ever in my life ever in my life almost and universally it's a, right yes universally so it's a legacy it's a legacy property and it's you know it's sort of uh what's the what the term i'm looking for it's really continuing that legacy of jim henson in the best way possible so and no one else has ownership of this it is in netflix hands so i think i even in uh for the sake of posterity if they made a second season and it wasn't, you know, maybe it's not getting the viewership that they want. They still have something that Jim Henson would be proud of and they know it. So those are a few, a few things to give us hope right there. Also though, I think about uh, the movie Blade Runner 2049 universally praised, universally loved by fans and critics for the most part, hardcore fans as well. Just loved it much like age of resistance. Um, very hard thing to do. 
And they spent a hundred and something million dollars on a budget for the film that was almost three hours long, and it didn't do very well in the box office. Am I shocked? Not at all. I could have to- I could have told them that years ago, that yeah, that'd be great, but it's not going to do very well. It's very very highbrow science fiction. So I think not only is Age of Resistance highbrow fantasy, it's also puppets. Puppets are not for everyone. Puppets aren't something that you know. Tons of people are going to flock to and like, oh my God, we love it. It's really for particular people. That's just the beginning and the end of it. Was was I hopeful that it was going to sort of knock down the walls and bring in more people? Sure. Did it probably in some ways? Absolutely. Did it do it enough? Nobody knows right now. And uh, I, I, so yeah, there's just, and you know, I was, I was looking at a few things like for instance, and these shows are, have vastly different um, production costs, but like the OA, which was canceled after season two, um, which, Hey, that got a second season. Um, and their, their Facebook group has tw- over 12,000 people, much like ours mind Hunter, which has not been canceled, uh, produced by David Fincher direct, you know, he's sort of the showrunner on the series. Their official group has over 12,000 people. And I'm not, not that those numbers there are going to be like, okay, it's the same for the dark crystal, but they're, those things here, you can kind of pluck those numbers and see a similarity. Like maybe the viewership is the same. Mind Hunter, I don't even think was that mentioned on the on the uh, in the the earnings report itself. I don't think so. It might have been, but I don't think the viewership for Mind Hunter is, you know, off the charts. However, with Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance, we know that they pulled out all the stops. I mean billboards and buses and you know the the bfi event in the uk and the event in um new york city i mean i've never seen netflix go all out for a show like this before except for with stranger things and stranger things is their most popular show so i would imagine based off their what they put into the show they are not seeing the returns that they would like should they have known better sure uh i i think that this is a niche thing, and they're seeing the returns on something that's a very niche thing. It's 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 brought it's brought on new fans, absolutely, but not enough. But I'm still hopeful that we'll get a season two, for sure. Another uh, factor that eh, I don't know if this is even how it works, but if I were in Netflix, uh, I would look at the numbers that we're getting right now in this holiday season, Halloween and you know, dark, dark crystal is scarier and perfect to be watching in this time of year. And I wonder if they're going to hold off for the next uh, few weeks just to see what the Halloween numbers are too. You know, this is when people watch scary movies. I wonder if they're popping on the original dark crystal. Maybe they're moving on to the uh, age of resistance as well. Uh, I don't know if anybody's even talking about that at Netflix, or, but I, it seems like something that they would look at, right? You know, like uh, this is a good holiday time period to look at for Dark Crystal. And then after, you know, you know, the day after Halloween and all the Christmas movies come out, um, that's when they'll sit down and say, okay, what does it look like? Maybe. I don't know. That's just my theory. So maybe the next two weeks still will factor into that decision 
maybe. And I, I think that's really the thing at the end of the day is if we want season two to happen, um, just keep watching the show because I I because I, I kind of feel that they're still looking at the statistics and even now like usually they would probably look at the statistics within the first month of the show, but I think maybe they're sort of giving it more of a chance, hopefully, and maybe looking at it, seeing how it's going to go over, you know say yeah a couple of months time and yeah yeah even with halloween because i mean that was the thing like i actually thought that this show was you know in my mind was could have you know might have come out like during that halloween period so but when it came out when when we got the release say for august i'm like oh wow you know it's actually coming sooner than than what i thought so but yeah i mean and and that goes to you know a lot of questions about you know if we do get a season two like how many episodes are they going are we going to get another 10 or or if because of the numbers, whether that season two is going to be a much shorter season. So there's going to be a lot of um, interesting things, you know. I, I think you know down the track, if they do announce a season two, it'd be interesting to see, you know, how, you know how many episodes we might get, or yeah, where we get less episodes, or maybe even even um, do just a movie length uh, feature sort of finale as well. Yeah, I mean, I we've seen that happen with Sense Eight. And they, Netflix came back to the table and said, oh, sorry, you know, because it was a cliffhanger that season two left on or season one, whatever. And they came back and they filmed a movie and they released it. And I definitely think Dark Crystal, in, as it sits with Age of Resistance, it is unfinished, clearly unfinished. It is clearly a story that needs more. And it is not, it doesn't leave off at a point where you can just jump to the original film in 1982. I mean, you can, but there's just so much missing and you can feel it. So I feel like if they did, I mean, who knows what they're going to do again. A lot of the stuff that they need to do season two is already in existence. You know, the puppets, a lot of the sets that they're probably going to reuse. I'm sure they're going to go into some other places and build some new sets, but it's already there. So I think the cost would be lower. It just all depends on how much more money, Netflix wants to sink into the series. I do think, though, if there is a season two, we're not going to see the type of rollout we did for season one. Not at all. It's going to be much smaller. It might be, you know, a, a premiere somewhere in L.A. or New, or New York, and that's all it's going to be. It won't, there might not, not. There probably won't be another book. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think it'll be way pared down. They've, I can't, I would bet they've spent close to $200 million off that, on that show with advertising easily. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was probably, yeah. I mean, again, it was like one of the biggest shows and with it all featuring puppets and just the amount of, um, you know, not only, you know, with puppets, but visual effects. And then of course, you know, having voice, you know, high talented, um, voice actors, um, being on the show, it, it definitely, um, would have cost uh, quite a lot and of course i mean we haven't they haven't announced um they haven't seen anything about like what the overall budget but i think it, it yeah it could yeah potentially be be up there um for sure but yeah i think it's just going to be a really interesting thing because i mean even like with the statistics i mean there was there was quite a few shows that were missing like um sabrina and um uh, russian doll like there was a couple of um well, well movies and tv shows that weren't in the top 10 you know um that sort of thing so yeah i don't even think black mirror was on there and black mirror is a show that seems very very popular but that wasn't mentioned once 
yeah so it, it's it's just gonna be really interesting to see yeah what like what will happen and they could t- definitely wrap up a show whether you know it's a much shorter season um i think we've seen that happening with quite a few shows i think even stranger things i think it started as nine episodes first season or 10 and then it went down and i think season three was only um eight episodes so i think you know they you know if if it had you know they have to drop it down you know from the the intentional probably 10 episodes for season two down to eight or, or even six i think yeah I, I you know i think they can definitely be able to wrap up the story because yeah i mean there's just so much that's you know to to wrap up i think um you know there's a lot of i think elements of you know the dark crystal law there's sort of like oh we need to know about these things and how it's all gonna how it's all going to connect so yeah it, it's gonna be pretty interesting and um but i definitely think like if season two was just going to be a feature film finale i definitely think um it'll be a bit of a time jump like and then uh, which sort of opens up sort of possibilities if they wanted to to have like different mediums like books and comic books that can be like the filling in the gaps um you know between seasons one and two um if they if they went for that yeah i like that i i'm i'm so pro expanded universe like you know, go crazy. Give me novels. Give me graphic, uh, graphic novels and comics, and give 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 it all to me. You know, give me you know a, a quadrilogy of freaking Hup comics or something. I, I give it all to me. I I'm the gluttony. I'm so ready. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer. I, I I just feel like what makes Dark Crystal special is the puppetry. I mean, certainly the mythology and all of that stuff that you love and that you enjoy. Ethan and Philip, uh, I it's awesome. I just I don't that stuff doesn't engage me as much, and I probably won't read it. Not that I'm not interested in it. I just really want like, although for the ba- for the sake of balance, we have ten hours of Dark Crystal that we never thought in our lifetimes or anyone's lifetime we would ever get. So if this show is all we get, I am thankful. I am grateful. The hard work that went into the show the hours and hours and hours and hours and hours that people spent as we all three of us know how much time people put in the show to make it what it is. And it's, it's a miracle. It shouldn't exist, but it does. So if that's all we're going to get, I'm thankful for that. If I do hope we get more, I would be sad if we don't get more, but I'm also grateful. So this was something that I never imagined we would get and i just i still remember back in 2017 when they first announced it and it was just so just so surreal it's like well you know dark crystal was coming back in a big way with this show and but i think you know yeah and and that's the thing like i think there'll still be a lot of dark crystal to look forward to and um you know yeah it's just i definitely feel like the show's really open up to a lot of potential and a lot of possibilities um, with the future of the franchise whether we will get a season two or not um, i think you know there's certainly things to look forward to as well so so i think like what we might as well get into <laughs> episode five of the dark crystal age of resistance like again like and again i'll just state it again but yeah we'll definitely be talking spoilers not only for episode five but also as you know with the whole show in general because um, I know this is something we always talk about how it seems like all the episodes are a bit of a blur like you know what we, I mean especially when we watch it all for the first time and and even watching it for a couple of times so we thought I'd just let you know about it yeah just one more time so and like I mean for me like with episode five again I, I think I keep talking about it every episode just being there's so much so much that's happening in in the show 
I actually love like the start of the episode, how, especially when you see the character, you know, of Skekmal and Rien and just the camera is just, I mean, it's, you know, it starts off with Rien and his eyes opening and just how the, the camera just like rotates pretty much like through most of the scene, you know, with, all, with the camera just rotating around and around, uh, which I thought was really, um, again, just great, you know, cinematography um, with the show. And just like, well, just as strange ideas that, that really, you know, works out, you know, pretty good and just adds sort of the drama and the tension. And I think what I love about that shot and the whole setup of that opening scene isn't just the perspective, but what it took to create that shot that you have the full, the full version of Rian tied up in a tree. So there's probably some type of motor or something animatronic, something inside the puppet to make it move. Rian seems really real like sometimes i have a hard time with rian as a as a as a character is uh just because he doesn't seem as believable to me as the others but i think part of that is because he's male um and he moves differently than the women women just move a little bit more gracefully and more naturally um but i really love rian in this shot and then of course later on he's in the the what do you call that the skekmobile with uh with the Chamberlain, very interesting conversations happening there. Very, uh, a lot of subtext happening in that conversation. I really love the back and forth between Rian and uh, Chamberlain. Yeah, but it was just, it's just a really great setup. I love that Skek Maul has him in the woods. It's a very terrifying. Rian has long lashes, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. And also, I mean, I'm just like watching and I mean, this was the thing, Ethan, I, I just sort of realized that there was actually a lot of connections with uh, Joe's book with um, Tides of the Dark Crystal in particular. I mean, for example, the first scene is, I mean, which was uh, Mira or, you know, the Chamberlain uh, drinking Mira's essence and and also sort of the, um, the, the, the Skekmobile, uh, the carriage sort of sequences and also sort of towards the end with Dreamspace that yeah i mean just sort of you know watching it and just realizing just like there was actually like really quite a few connections um with this and joe's books oh yeah totally um with the first time i i watched this episode it was really exciting to to see uh like oh shoot we're in we're in tides now you know um in the timeline so to speak and it was really cool to see those callbacks or or nods to tides and um, it was heartbreaking to see Chamberlain, uh, drink Mira's essence. And, uh, it's like, it's really cool to see those connections. Uh, it, it's really fun. Did you guys have any, like, I had this idea just because you see Rian with the, the vial full of, um, Mira's essence and you see him in all of the, the promotion. And then of course there's the figure and he's got the vial. And I was under the assumption that, somehow Mira would be reconstituted. He took her with him. He took her essence with him and he escaped with it. And so I had some hope for Mira that somehow he would contact her or she'd be reconstituted somehow. And they subverted all of those ideas, which I loved. I loved that the Chamberlain drank the essence because I was like, like Rian's really, or Mira's really gone. She's not coming back. And I didn't expect that. And uh, that was just a great moment, even as terrifying as it was. Like, it was a very shocking moment, like, within the show, like, 
you know having the chamberlain you know that, that this was the proof that rian had and it's basically all gone in a matter of seconds with the, with the chamberlain drinking it and i actually remember like reading this like in tides of the dark crystal and as well like with the death of the old mordra um both of those moments happened in tides and it was just really shocking and like even i was sort of surprised that you know that we got that in in the book you know like when those moments happen i'm like whoa okay that changes a lot <laughs> and also i you know i guess that it sort of became almost like a bit of a spoiler for the for the for the show as well um i don't know ethan i just want to know your thoughts about like did those moments did that sort of um you know be like oh you wish you sort of knew that knew those moments like within the show versus reading um the books oh, i go back and forth part of me felt like the jm lee books really helped me understand this new world this new era of dark crystal um and you know all madra and the clans and you know uh, mentions of the drenchen and the great smurf stuff like that it was so cool so exciting you almost felt like you know like you're in on this inside joke like oh i know what that is you know but the other half of me definitely felt like uh, it was a bummer to get spoiled. Like, um, you know, yeah, I did know that the the Almadra was gonna die and you know get killed by the the general. And um, you know, it, and it kind of took away the surprise. It was more like, you know, when and how is it gonna happen? More like, well, no, because uh, as soon as uh, Almadra goes into her chamber and talks to Skeksok and Skekvar. You just know, like, oh, this is it. Here we go. Shoot. That's and, why I didn't read those books, yo. That's why. That's why I was telling people, yeah. don't read the books. And I just, I'm still confused as to why they let more books release. Like that to me is a conflict of interest right there that those books released before, like I can understand the first or second book, wait until the show's out, then spoil the, the show for them. Like, I'm really shocked at that. I'm so glad I didn't read those books. I really wanted to, but I, I hate being spoiled when I don't want to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was just something that, um, yeah, when I, when I read those books, you know, with it, more so with tides and yeah, it was like, all these moments that were happening, like within the book, I'm like, Whoa, I'm like, huh? okay, I wonder how, how that's going to connect with the show. And it certainly did. But yeah, I mean, like, I, it, it was something that I had thought about, like whether I would have liked knowing, you know, knowing that in the context within the show versus the book. And But even then, it sort of made me think about, like, because I sort of knew those things, I think in the early episodes, you could sort of had some little hints I guess of what's to come like you know when all Mordra was saying to Celadon you know you know you'll understand when you're all Mordra someday so there was a bit of like not premonition but just um a foreshadowing I guess of what could possibly come like within within the show so yeah it was just yeah it was just something that yeah yeah just just about that for sure but I guess you know one of the big sort of um characters that sort of a lot of people been talking about, of course, is the the red hair uh, paladin. Um, he's sort of become actually a bit of a fan favorite, you know, sort of almost like the, the the Boba Fett, I guess, like of the Dark Crystal. I actually just wanted to know, like, I know your thoughts about like what is it about this red haired 
paladin that he you know he's been getting so much attention like <laughs> I've, I've got some theories but i just yeah i wanted to know your, your thoughts like yeah <laughs> oh they aren't theories we know exactly why people love him why i don't I, the gelflings don't. look like children to me i don't get this i really don't it's creepy to me like the gelflings look like children like i don't dig like no <laughs> <laughs> No, everybody's. I, I mean, I, I over the years I've seen some fans, you know, that kind of sexualize the Skeksis. I mean, they're like, oh man, Skeksil so sexy. I'm like, I don't see it. Hey, you know, whatever floats your boat, that's cool. Uh, I don't exactly see the Gelfling as children, but uh, I don't see, like, I don't look at a, a Gelfling and say that's an attractive Gelfling. I guess, but. I, I think I do think that's why, or at least for some people, they look at Red Haired Paladin and like, wow, he looks a lot different than the other Gelflings. I remember the uh, when I first saw him, I I thought he looks very. It's kind of weird. Like I've got a a mental image of Jen from the Dark Crystal film that's different than actual Jen. I I guess my head kind of cleans him up a little bit, and to me. I, I always felt like, oh, red-haired paladin kind of looks like how I picture Jen, but, you know, kind of red hair, uh, red, red and blonde. You're right. I can and, see that. Yeah, well, the first time I saw him, I was like, oh, wow. Um, I, I kind of, um, it, you know, in my just the back of my head, I was like, oh, headcanon, that's Jen's father or something like that. Like, honestly, like, it looks like every, at least, you know, from what we've seen, it looks like a lot of clues are pointing that Rianne is probably Jen's father. Um, we don't know for sure, of course, but probably. But I don't see it. Like, other than looking kind of off in puppety, I don't, <laughs> just, just like Jen did. You know, Kira looks like a living creature, but Jen kind of looks kind of stiff. And, you know, in, in the AOR, Rianne's the kind of the stiff one. But other than that, I don't see jen in rianne i love rianne but i don't i don't know i don't anyway um i saw a lot of jen in redhead or we, man he needs a shorter name paladin redhead paladin whatever freckles that's his name freckles free <laughs> i'm i'm really curious if um i'm really hoping that he actually gets his name like in i think the heroes of the rissus and sort of character guidebook that's going to come out in november uh um, just, just to give him a name. I think he deserves a name. Um, <laughs> well, JM Lee's really good at naming. Um, so I, I, I guarantee you they'll probably either let JM Lee name him or, or they'll come together and come up with one. The writers come up with one and agree upon one together. I bet you anything he'll get a name. He's not going to be red haired paladin forever. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I mean, cause even I was like sort of thinking about like, what is it about the red haired paladin? And I, I sort of thought it was like, maybe it's, maybe it's his voice actually. Cause I, I felt like, like his voice is actually much lower compared to uh, like other male Gelflings like Rian or, or Kylan, um, that they're sort of a bit sort of high, just have a so sort of much higher tone pitch sort of thing that I think makes, makes that character sort of, um, stand out a lot more as well. Yeah, possibly. Uh, I really thought of that. Um, yeah, because I mean, like, I was just looking at some dialogue. And he was like, you know, be careful, Ormodra. There's land strider dung everywhere. I love that. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> and like, um, yeah, and Rian, you know, I mean, of course, you know, he's the emotions are sort of, you know, when he's like, see a mirror or, um, you know, the Skeksis have told, you know, uh, they're the liars, um, that they're much, just, just a bit, just the, um, just the voice pitch, I think is like with, with the red haired paladin, it's just a little bit lower, I think, compared to other male gelflings. And I kind of think that that might be another, I don't know, just another, th- a random thought. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just love phenomenons like this. Cause it's really totally unpredictable. I mean, I mean, they didn't even name him in the scripts. I mean, they didn't see red freckles, you know, becoming big like this. And but you know, there's uh, fan art of him. Everybody just adores him, and so do I. You know, don't get me wrong. Like we all love him for different reasons, but you know, it's just so interesting that just this single character, this puppet that shows up in the background or you know in small scenes throughout the entire season, just you know becomes so beloved you know he like watch out all don't step in poop you know or you know sees tavra in the prison or you know he just pops up here and there and doesn't have a name and it wasn't that important but he's he's the you know like in force awakens he's the traitor you know that's uh that that uh uh that stormtrooper what's his name trtk i don't know it doesn't matter but um no, no, I love phenomenons like this. I know sort of, I guess we might as well talk sort of like one of the most sort of emotional scenes um, that happens like at the start of the episode. And this is about um, with, with Deaton Hup, you know, sort of the aftermath that sort of happened in episode four. And, it, you know, it was, it was so cool just to see, um, well, I mean, we actually got the song that Deet sings from the trailer so i thought that was like pretty pretty cool that sort of in context that we know where we got where the song sort of took place you know from the trailer in that you know in in this episode of the show yeah i mean like i think this scene like yeah there'd be times like you know towards the end of this scene you just you just feel for these characters and especially for hop you know because he's sort of scared that he you know failed d to protect her like after what happened with you know, at the, towards the end of episode four and sort of the, the, the adventures that they've sort of had together. Um, I don't know about you, Jamie. Yeah. I just want to know, yeah, your thoughts sort of on, on that moment. Cause I know Harp is sort of one of your favorite characters from the show. Yeah. It was a really poignant, heartfelt, wonderful moment that, you know, I've, you know, I've spoken about before, you know, where you, I think we all go through those times where we feel like, we're a failure and we're not good enough. And, uh, it was just, it was really, you know, that was the moment that I teared up watching the show and, uh, and it just felt really personal and just note perfect note. Perfect. That this little tiny podling who wants to aspire to be greater had a moment of weakness that he wasn't great. And then you have Deet saying, but who was there for me? Who was there for me? You know, moment after moment, time and again, who was there for me? Hup was there for him, for her. And, uh, yeah, it was just great. And I could watch that over and over. And I love the relationship between them and their moments together in the wood or in stone in the wood. It's just, just magical. Just really great. He easily could have been just a one note character. Like, you know, on paper, he's, you know, the, the podling that wants to be a paladin and, you know, he's just hop, 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 hop. You know, I'm, I want to be a warrior. I'm, 
you know, he could have been like a Jar Jar Binks or, you know, just constantly on, like, to the point where he's annoying. You know what I mean? Like, but this is where it almost humanizes him in a matter of speaking. You know, like, he does have those vulnerable moments. And and that's how you sell a character, you know? You, you show him, you know, he's, I'll protect you, you know, and, you know, he's on, on, on. But sometimes there's those low moments, too. And it, everybody feels those moments and everybody can relate. And that's why I, I bet everybody watching that scene is like, oh, shoot, there's depth to this podling character, you know. And uh, I, I love Hub for that. Um, uh, it, it's a, a fantastic scene. I'm glad it's there. It's just such an incredible scene. And 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 because even like when i was like sort of figuring out like you know how like this scene it only goes for two minutes and just has so emotional weight you know for the characters um which i think that's like credit due to like you know to everyone work on the show and the writers and the puppeteers and just um and i actually like you know that you know that like with this scene like it's it's a very simple setup you know you're just going close up between harp and deet it's 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 one of those scenes where it's like yeah that you know i know like there's always a lot of movement happening in shots but when there's you know some dramatic you know some bit of dramatic moments or something that's very emotional that the camera is very steady and i think um you know just just adding the emotions that um that that, that we can you know even like what you know watching the scene again it's just like oh man it's it's, it's just such a brilliantly well made um well shot well written um scenes so it's just yeah yeah and and just yeah because i mean that's the thing like with podlings where we think of podlings is just, you know they're just you know fun putting kind of ones which they are to a degree but harp is very different compared to the other podlings so i think um it's really cool that really harp really stands out like on his own what i love about uh age of resistance and the you know the show that they've crafted is the human element not so much human as in homo sapiens but the the heart the heart that each character has the the arc that they go through it's very relatable and if you want a good story you got to craft good characters if you don't have good characters if you don't have anyone that's good enough to believe in you don't have a story and not just good characters. They have to be smart. They have to make smart decisions. They have to make realistic decisions. And these characters do that time and time again. And they represent so many different forms of characters. Like you have characters who are presented with the truth and they don't believe it. You have characters who have to be convinced. You have characters who are going on separate journeys. There's a whole discussion right now about who the hero of the age of age of resistance is. They're all the heroes of age of resistance. They all have a part to play. The original dark crystal film, I think is a little bit different because you have two characters and the dynamic between two characters and who Kira was as opposed to who Jen was and who really was the hero of that story. And that's how, you know, it's a, a worthy discussion. I don't think it's a worthy discussion in age of resistance. All of them are the heroes. It took all of them to get to the point where they're, all working together to battle the Skeksis. And it's just really a, a testament again to the writers, to the creators, to everyone involved. And uh, I will also want to say this episode is very expositional, more so than a lot of other episodes. There's a lot of information that we're hearing, the interworkings of things, 
who Gelflings are in, in relationship to the Skeksis, how the Skeksis view the Gelflings, and how, you know, you have Rianne talking to Chamberlain about, well, we're just slaves. And to Chamberlain's like, is that so bad? You Are you fed? Very heady stuff. Very in-depth, layered stuff going on right there that I really love. It's for, certainly for adults as much as it, as it is for younger children. Yeah, there's just so much, like, that happens, like, especially, like, this episode. Not only from the carriage scene, which, I mean, that was such a fantastic sort of action sequence but also like the you know the scenes between just yeah just between the chamberlain and rian were just very well written and you know you sort of gave examples of that um but yeah not only had the drama but it had the action as well and and i know that that carriage sequence um again a lot of work (laughs) went into that i mean pretty much all over the whole show but um yeah i mean that carriage sequence where um nao and gurgeon um, help get Rian out of the carriage. Um, it's just uh, incredible stuff. Yeah, it's it's just there's just so much that happens in every episode. Even to like the dream spacing, like the even dream spacing towards the end was sort of a very more expositional sort of you know a bit of a recap. You know, because I mean for people that are watching, you know the first because we are at the halfway point. I think it was definitely important. You know, to at least had that bit of recap through the dream space a bit like you know remind the audience you know where we are like why we are led up to this moment of time but i will say actually um ethan like that was the thing i think when i watched this episode once olga was you know she was trying to uh, find the song of thra and she was struggling with it and but then once she was saying those words um dia terra dera terra kida kida Aru Garu and repeating those words that again that was another connection with Tides of the Dark Crystal. I'm like, oh, I know what's gonna happen next and we're going into dream space. <laughs> oh no, uh, I I feel like uh Jamie's books talked a bit about more what those words mean. I know I actually looked into it and um so Diatera means fire, Deratera means air kita kita means water and aru garu means earth she so she said basically saying fire air water earth fire air water earth um sort of in that loop um makes sense makes sense so i thought yeah i dig it yeah yeah no no which was really cool like i mean that that was like one of my sort of like favorite moments like her just doing the song and and while all the gelflings are sort of about to you know oh we're just going to dream fast but then it sort of turned into a a dream space of sorts and yeah that was just like one of my favorite moments just i think because of knowing i I guess because there was so many connections with tides it was a lot of fun seeing those connections for sure i love that the dream space this that moment where they all appear which is really the moment in the show where this is the call the hero's call this is when they are tasked with saving your world they're all they all have bits and pieces of what's going on they're not really sure deep knows the most and then agra is finally filled in and now she's brought all gelfling together well all that's sort of involved in that story at the moment to call them to something higher to save the world. I just love that moment. It's really powerful. And I really think what's so incredibly powerful is Celadon's appearance in that dream space and Augur saying, no, 
you don't belong here. That is so powerful. Um, it is so powerful. And just that, and Augur saying she plays a different part in this story. It's just very layered and deep stuff and very well written. I could watch that episode over and over. To me, uh, I, I like it because she paints it in a way that, that there's lot that that destiny is fluid and not set in stone. If you if you catch my drift, um, right now, like she's there, <laughs> she's like welcome. There. Uh, you know, like here you go. You know, heroes of Thra, and she steps forward and like traitor. You are all traitors. And Augur, like, okay. And she, and she does send her away, and she's... Uh, what does she say? She says, different Gelfling, different paths. And it, it shows that, you know, in, in some... Uh, there, there's the, the, the possibility that Celadon could have been there, could have been a hero of Thra from the beginning, from the get-go, and, and she chose not to be, and Agra said, okay, be gone. And there... And that's what's so interesting to me is she's constantly looking at all the paths that lie before her and she's trying to, you know, uh, form fate towards what she thinks the path uh, needs to be. But at the same time, she can't force anybody to do it. it. Everybody has their free will. And that's what's so cool for years and years and years. I've always wondered, is Dark Crystal... Uh, a universe that has free will or is destiny uh, set in stone. And I guess that's the, the, the interesting thing about the wall of destiny and the prophecy is it being set in stone does solidify and cement destiny. It, suddenly fate isn't so fluid anymore. And I wonder how that's going to affect everything. Um, then again, that, that that's not my speculation. I think that once the prophecy is set in stone, that changes things. We don't know for sure, but that's what I think. And because, I mean, like, one, I mean, she does say in the show, like, I see all the paths laid before me. Um, so, I, like, at this point, she pretty much knows the beginning and the middle of the journey. And I think also, I think in the next episode, which we'll definitely get into, um, there's a scene where she's talking to, um, to Irvar, the hunter, and she basically knows what she, you know, what they need to do. But the only thing that she doesn't know is how it all ends, essentially. Yeah. So it's sort of, you know, I guess pieces of the puzzle that at the moment, she only knows the beginning and the middle sort of of the soul, you know, um, the way of trying to defeat the Skeksis but not knowing how it all ends is, um, yeah, just something that... Does she say she doesn't know how it ends? Because I don't, I don't know if we know how much she knows. Well, she says there, you know, there are many endings laid before us, some mm -hmm. good, some bad. I don't know if Agra knows. I think she knows what's possible. I don't, I don't, I think that it would undermine her character if she knew, because there is a point in the, in the show where she says, Agra doesn't know everything, something like that. Mm. So yeah. I, I like that. I think that she should be ambiguous to some degree. And what I love about, again, I love about the writing of Age of Resistance is that if you look at a, the bigger picture, you have all of these characters that are tasked with or 
shown the same information and all of them or many of them interpret it very differently. Some of them believe it right away. Some of them have a hard time with it. And then you have Celadon outright rejecting it. And it's mirrors the world that we live in where we're all, we all have access to the same information. And yet we have tons of different reactions to the same information, depending on how we were raised, depending on how much we think we are owed, uh, depending on, uh, our socioeconomic status. It's really, really fascinating. And I love that they have, I don't even know if they in, intended that, but it's, it's a great element in the show. I know. I, I just have to, to toot, you know, everybody's horn. Once again, I, I feel like the original dark crystal, if, if you had to knock it for something, it was the story in the dialogue and you know the script basically everything else was on point you know 11 out of 10 and for and that's the thing about age of resistance is they made the story and the dialogue the scripts right up there with the visuals 11 out of 10 and it surprised the hell out of me i'm like oh shoot anyway i just have to say like absolutely like Age of Resistance is such a human story, um, and there's no humans in it, and it it, it affects people in different ways. It, it's so interesting to see all the points of view uh, that that fans have on this amazing story. That like yeah, it, with the original movie, that the, yeah, the biggest issues was really just um, like the story was very you know a point A to point B, very simple, straightforward. Um, whereas yeah, with Age of Resistance, it just they really focus on the story and there's just so many things that are just happening. It's just like, well, you know, that screams dark crystal, but it's like, um, but it's unlike, you know, that we've seen before, like, um, with all these adventures that all these characters are going through. Um, there's just, yeah, it's just so, so incredible. And so, I mean, really, I mean, like, yeah, the episode pretty much ends with, um, Olga just sort of saying, you know, to everyone, you know, you got to go to the, um, the circle of the suns. So I think it's actually interesting that I think she actually knows about, um, where, um, you know, that they'll encounter, um, the heretic and the wanderer. Um, sort of curious about whether she actually knew about those characters, uh, being, you know, at the seven, you know, at the circle of the suns. And, um, and of course you got your Neo Gurgen, um, and Kylan sort of about to set off on their quest to sort of, go to the seven corners. So again, another little connections with the books, um, with their sort of storyline, um, in essence. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we'll have to, I know, I think we'll have to wrap up chatting about with episode five, but again, there's just so much that happens in these shows. And I think, you know, we're just going to keep revisiting them and for many, many more episodes to come. So I just want to say thank you so much for for tuning in to this episode of Trial by Stone and there'll be plenty more discussions to come. See you next time. Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast is a production of Three Point Edit. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook, follow on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe on YouTube. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, visit our website at www.darkcrystalpodcast.com. 
Thank you so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.